0: I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Deanne Fitzpatrick is a rug-hooking artist with a soulful story. She started her career as a therapist, but eventually found the art of rug-hooking, which became a method of self-expression. After 30 years in business, we chat about her journey, including reinvention, creativity, growth, and finding yourself. Grab a warm beverage and settle in for some encouragement, creativity, and beauty. Deanne Fitzpatrick, welcome to Soul Sister Conversations. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here with you. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation with you because you are so much more than a rug hooker, and we're going to talk about that. But I'll tell you how I discovered you. I had been watching one of my Facebook friends create some, uh, rugs through this rug hooking and they were beautiful. They were really works of art really. And it was really appealing to me, appealing to my sense of creativity. So I asked her about it, where she was, you know, how she, did she follow somebody on YouTube? And, and she told me about you and I, I checked you out and I decided to order a starter rug hooking kit for myself and my daughter, cause she's super crafty and creative. And when I received my box, I knew I just Loved everything about you, (laughs) and uh, because I love the little starter kit. And first off, you have this you know beautiful thank you note that you send in the uh, the starter kit, and it says thank you for supporting creative dreams, for providing jobs in small towns, for loving handmade, for caring about independent business, and for shopping at Deanne Fitzpatrick Studio. Yeah, and you had a beautiful bookmarker as well. Uh, with a beautiful note and a recipe. I love recipes. I mean, an oat cake recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and I just felt like there was a, some sort of this authenticity. When you opened up the box, you opened up a piece of Deanne Fitzpatrick. And perhaps that's what you're going for. <laughs> well,
1: you know, I never, I never really thought of it that way as opening up a part of Deanne Fitzpatrick. But that's a nice way of thinking of it. Thank you. Um, I, I, I believe in hospitality, and, you know, when you're shipping things, it's hard to give people the feeling that how much you appreciate them. So that was my intention is to let people know that, gosh, you know, thank you. Like there's so many things that people can choose to do with their $60 or, you know, or their $100. Yes. There's just we have so many choices. And when someone chooses to spend it at DN Fitzpatrick studio, I genuinely appreciate that
0: and i can tell that and the uh, the word authenticity is what comes up because once i got my starter kit or once i even bought the starter kit you got these free series to tell you about rug hooking yeah and i was hooked on watching you <laughs> it was it was meditative Good. i was just so interested about and you what surprised not surprised me but drew me in was your authenticity you're wandering around your studio it's not this uh, very stoic, sitting at the front of a classroom teaching. You're talking to people as you go. And <laughs> and, and I know you're from Newfoundland originally, so it must be this East Coast po- hospitality. Your personality was coming through. Um, but when I started researching you, I realized you were a therapist. And you say rug hooking found you and helped you find yourself, which really intrigued me. And you say you have helped as many people by teaching them how to hook rugs and embrace their own creativity as you would have as a therapist. And I want to dive into that a little bit more. But first of all, tell people what is rug hooking? What are are its origins? What are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, I think that's important. So basically, my mother and my grandmother both hooked rugs. My grandmothers, um, what they would do is they would take old clothes and cut it into strips and hook it on a brin bag or a burlap bag. And uh, sometimes they would create their own designs. Initially, people only had their own designs. In the uh, late 1800s and the early uh, 20s, there was uh, um, a lot of stamped patterns. So patterns with uh, people with um, like oftentimes a rose in the center and four scrolls in the corner. Um, So it's a traditional, it's one of the few crafts that is thought it might be indigenous uh, to North America. Um, uh, Well, I don't really know that it is because, of course, rug making has been around. But rug making in this way where you're cutting up old clothing or using yarn and hooking it onto, onto brin or burlap bags. Um, but, of course, that would have grown from other from rug hooking in, in other uh, communities and other nations and other countries. So uh, that's the kind of rug hooking that I do. Now, I used to use a lot of old clothes when I began, but in the more recent Years I use um, uh, a lot of yarns as well because mm-hmm. of course wool clothing, recycled wool clothing, is just not out there anymore the way it was at one time.
0: Mm. And when they originally did the rug hooking, was it any kind of clothing? Like it was just a way to use up and recycle whatever. It was kind of always wool, wool because that's primarily what people
1: used. Yeah, it was. It was th- that I know of. It was. It was traditionally wool because wool. Well. Uh, their clothing was made out of wool, the early settlers clothing Mm -hmm. uh, made out of wool. And, uh, uh, and when I say the early settlers, I mean like the, the English and the Irish and, you know, um, Mm -hmm. uh, not the people who were indigenous of course to, to North America. Um, but so it began, yeah, it began later. I don't know if there, uh, there is a strong tradition in rug hooking. I know amongst, uh, French and, uh, And Indigenous communities as well. So, um, I think that, uh, perhaps they did it exactly the same way. I'm not really sure. I just know about my own grandmothers, you know, from Mm. from stories in my own family. Um, I never knew my, either of my grandmothers. I just know the story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you said uh, really rug hooking were chores of poverty at that time. And as the new wave of things came in, you know, rug hooking as a lot of these arts uh, and crafts and, and skills like quilting and so on. Sometimes they fall to the wayside. But then you got reintroduced to rug hooking. Can you share how you got reintroduced? What, what got you hooked on rug hooking? So when I was uh, about 15 or 16 years old, my sister had an old
1: farmhouse in uh, Nova Scotia and I moved here. And those rugs were on the floor of her house that she had purchased them at auction. And I always liked them. And it always amazed me that every stitch was pulled by hand, you know, even mm, at sixteen. Yeah. But I wasn't artistic at that time. I didn't feel that I was. Clearly, I probably was, but it wasn't. I mean, we're all artistic, right? But I didn't know it. And uh, when I was 24, I graduated from university with a counseling degree. And I um, decided uh, to go with my sister, the same sister, to learn how to hook rugs in, at a, at a little, uh, weekend event in Tadamagush, Nova Scotia. And I learned there that weekend, I learned the one stitch that you needed to do. A woman named Marion Kennedy showed me how to do it. And she said, now go and finish that. That's, and you know, I even wanted to buy a little rug that was there. And she said, no, no, you don't want to buy that. You want to finish this. Right. Mm -hmm. So she was really, uh, uh, you know, encouraging. So myself and three of my sisters went off for that weekend. And I'd have to say that as soon as I pulled a loop, I knew that it was for me. You know, mm-hmm. I. Knew. what appealed to you about that? At that well, moment? I liked the rugs. I had an old farmhouse myself that I still live in and I like the rugs themselves. Um, so I feel like that that was the um, impetus is that I wanted rugs for that. For the floors of that farmhouse, that was the thing that mm. I that I was looking for. They were too expensive to buy at auction, too sure. too dirty, too messy to clean. Uh, you know, almost impossible to clean. And uh, I was just making rugs for the floor. Really, it was. And then it sort of was kind of a pastime. I was doing some. I was working at a transition house, and I was doing some private counseling. And uh, it was a great way to sort of blend things together. Do you know, like mm-hmm. and a great way to release anything that was bothering me, you know, and it was also a good way um well it was a, it was a great stress reducer, but it, it became a really great way to express myself, mm.
0: and it's so interesting because when I'm watching your your free videos that you send, yeah, when you purchase a kit. Um, I was telling my husband I've dubbed her, I said I've dubbed her the Bob Ross of Rug Hooking. <laughs> everybody knows who Bob Ross yes, is, right? Because and we love the sound of his meditative voice, and you can just put a little bit here and it's okay. And, and you can never make any mistakes. And that's what came across in your videos. How you're huh. like, this is a forgiving craft, no problems, just get going. <laughs> yeah. And and that's what it felt. It was even meditative. Even when I watch it, and I watch how quick you pull those little um yeah. those. Uh, pieces of fabric through the through the burlap and I want I want to be where you are now Uh, but I I realize you have to start at some point at some point but when did you um, because I thought you were always an artist when I saw this work and you say you didn't see yourself as an artist per se at what point did you you recognize or what point did you leave behind you know being a therapist to go I want to pursue this in some other way
1: Um, probably about Two years after I started rug hooking, I kind of knew that I that I was going to commit to this uh, more fully. And did you think you were going to be an artist and sell them? I thought I was going to be a therapist and do this as a as a side gig, side thing, you know. And I, okay. I kind of then I decided, yeah, I was going to sell my rugs for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, but slowly, uh, I sort of realized that that I was drawn to this. Like I couldn't not do it, you know, that it was really important to me. And it was, It sort of, it soothes me like even now, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I can, I can string sentences together better when I'm hooking. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Really? Yes. Yeah. It just, it just, it, it soothes me and it, and it is a meditation and it does Bring you to yourself. I mean, I don't think that's just true for rug hooking. I think that's true for making and for making mm-hmm. art.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you said that you, you helped you, you feel like you help more people by being a rug hooker and teaching other people how to do this than you ever would have a, as a therapist. Can you say more about that? Well that's just
1: my opinion. I think therapy, oh, that's great! I think therapy and counseling is really important and people need it. And so I don't want I don't want to to diss that because I think that we all need that at times. But I just know that for me um I've reached so many more people through uh like if I saw, if I had seen people one-on-one, you know, but yes. through, through this, I've been able to reach so many more people uh, in a large number through our videos and our online classes and uh, our group classes, and that when people find that thing that they are good at, or that thing that allows them to express themselves, or that thing that allows them to meditate and, you know, communicate. The, which is often, which is for me, rug hooking, then their lives become better because of it because they have that thing. And we all need uh, we all need the power to express ourselves. And I've just taught a lot of people that they can do this through this craft. So yeah, now, does that mean that it, it's a cure-all? No, it isn't. It's not a medicine, it's not a cure-all, it's not a religion, but it's a good thing that can help you uh, get... Uh, to a new place inside yourself if you want to use it that way.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, I think it's a very interesting perspective. And I think you're right. That's what why that statement was, um, really piqued my curiosity around helping people. Cause I recognize, yes, it's not therapy per se, although it's very therapeutic, yeah but the fact that even you and I are having a conversation, how I got drawn in, you think about right. your own impact, how I saw, you know, someone, uh, learned to do this and learned it from you. And then I saw it and I'll go, what is that about? And especially if people are looking for a creative outlet. And I think I've been trying to find it for a long time. And I bake and I like to do, you know, yep. do fun things. My daughter's the same way. And I feel like you can feel this ripple effect because of your vision and your passion, your authenticity, that you can see how this has rolled out and impacted many people in many ways. And, and I can see how it is meditative watching uh, you do it in a way is meditative. So it's, it's just, yep. um, it's, it's fascinating that how we can impact people. And if people are thinking they don't have an impact in their life, Really, you're sort of an example of how you can take your passion, thing that you love, and, and have that actually have a lot of impact in this life.
1: Yes, I think we can. We can all do that because we can bring people along with us, you know?
0: Yes, yeah. a- absolutely. Now, you have a shop in Amherst, Nova Scotia. Uh, which I I'm certain I'll be visiting this summer. <laughs> Good. Um, where you have classes, you sell fabric and supplies. Now, you started as uh, learning about rug hooking and doing it because it was meditative. You liked it yourself. But to turn it into a business is a whole other thing. At at, at what point did you see that as this is something that I could, did it start slowly or did you have a vision about what you could do with
1: this? It started really small. Like Mm. I borrowed a couple of thousand dollars off my mother who thought she couldn't understand what I was doing or why I was doing it. And, And I borrowed a couple of thousand dollars off my mother and I bought a bunch of rug hooking supplies and I put them in a trunk in my living room. And, you know, I said, I have these supplies and I don't, I got the word out uh, slowly through, like, going to craft sales and selling my rugs. And um, I never really, like, I initially I thought I would just sell my rugs. And then at some point I started making kits and teaching, drawing patterns. Mm -hmm. I started teaching probably within a year or two. And so the business just evolved. And it it literally grew, grew from a trunk to an armoire to my living room, then to to a room on the back of my house, then to a nice big studio that had sort of a gallery in the basement and two, a gallery on the main floor and two like supply rooms on the top floor. And that's how it grew. And then after, like, I think my son was 14. So after about 14 years, I decided to move it into town and I moved it to a small one room kind of narrow space and then another space on the main floor on the main street came up so I moved it to there out of my like and then I joined the two spaces together a couple years later so the studio is a huge kind of l-shaped space that is like it's in two different buildings but we beat down two brick walls to put in a door so that you can it's the same same building but two different they were built at two different times so and and we did that by you know I like I, and I say we because after about a year and a half or two years, I've always had some help, someone working with me. And, uh, and at first it began with like one person part time, four hours a week, you know. And mm-hmm. then then we had someone help us. I had someone help me with my books. And so the we is not a royal we. There's been a lot of we in this studio, <laughs> you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 So um, it- there, there's been a lot of I've had a lot of help.
0: Did you did you ever envision yourself or see yourself as an entrepreneur before this? No. Like I didn't know how to sell when I began.
1: I went I remember going to the Atlantic Canada Craft Trade ex, Exhibition or something because I would I would wholesale my patterns. I was wholesaling my patterns and they were all wrapped in brown paper and they were very old looking. I still have the picture here to remind me where I began and I would go to the Atlantic Canada Craft Trade show which was a wholesale trade show and I would just I remember looking at other, other people selling and I would say, how do you do that? And she would say, well, just talk to people, right? Just talk to them, you know, don't try to sell them something, just talk to them. And, and, and this was a a woman who was a, her, she was selling pottery and, and I just learned by watching. I'm I'm still learning by watching. I mean, aren't you, aren't you learning Mm -hmm. by watching like other podcasters, other
0: all sorts of things? Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely. I watched and I learned.
0: And so how long have you been in business now?
1: Uh, 30 years almost, yeah. Wow. I'd be short of like six months or something, but yeah, 30 years. That's amazing. It is amazing. amazing. And it went by so fast. Yeah. A woman came to my studio the other day and... Uh, she was one of the people I began doing workshops in my home. I used to do these workshops, and we'd have like eight or ten, twelve women. They would come to my house. My family would sort of just get out of the way for the weekend, so I could have the studio for the house. I could have the house, and and uh, I'd do the workshops there. And when she came, she had just retired, I think, and she was in her uh, uh, she was in her early sixties. And she came the other day with a whole gang of women, and she told me she's turning ninety, and. <laughs> Wow. Still making rugs, rugs <laughs> and she's still vibrant. And it was like, oh my gosh. So there's time,
0: right? Made real. Uh, oh, absolutely. It always goes fast. It seems like it goes faster by the day sometimes. And I, I'm curious about your life as someone who's reinvented herself as you're finding, because you said that rug hooking um, helped me find myself. Mm-hmm. How did it help you find yourself? And what do you mean? What, what did you find? Um, okay. So because I rug hook,
1: I write, you know, I've written, I don't know, seven or seven books or eight books on rug hooking. Right. So Mm -hmm. when you write, uh, you, and when you make, you think a lot and you think about who you are, you think about how you act. And I was probably naturally inclined towards that anyway, because I had been studying counseling and therapy. Um, so I think I set out to be one thing and found out that though I could be that I was really another you know and I think we learn these things by by reading by making by spending time with ourselves so I'm a I'm I mean I think I'm a, an introvert on many levels even though I appear very extroverted my natural inclination is to to be alone and to make and to think and to listen, like, you know, and, mm. uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think, so I kind of listened to where I was going and what was, you know, someone said to me the other day, I, I was asking them about how they knew what, you know, what to do next or how they knew how, how they, how come they were successful in business. I asked them and they said, I think I just really listened to my intuition right? Mm. And and getting in touch with that and knowing how to get in touch with that. And
0: I think we can't get in
1: touch with that without being, without being quiet.
0: Mm. That's, yeah. And I think there's something, you're putting your finger on it, that when I was really learning about you and just experiencing you through a starter kit, just the fact of the things that you included in the kit was just so much more of an, a, an exchange. Aww. It was a very personal touch. You know, from the handwritten thank you note from Mary C. Yeah. <laughs> but on your on this, you know, beautiful little thank you that you put, what what it means when someone buys this from you to your beautiful bookmark, which I'll share with people later what was written on that. And then but you have the business piece where it's like, this is where you can find me and this is what we do. Yeah. Um, but to me, that um that quiet piece of the reading, the making, because I talk to a lot of people about their authentic journeys. And so many people have switched gears, switched careers or still Mm. trying to find themselves in some way. So I find that really fascinating that. um, And and this is the same thing that I hear over and over again, that you have to get quiet. This idea of connecting to your intuition and the fact that you found it in rug hooking, but what rug hooking has done is provided you the quiet space to actually sit with yourself, which so many of us don't in this busy world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we
1: need to. I think we need more, more of that. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be through any one thing. It can be through many things, you know, like I'm a, I'm Mm -hmm. a big reader. I bet you are too, Dana. I am. Yeah. 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 There's so many avenues to
0: find yourself. There's
1: many avenues to find yourself. But for me, and I, I really believe that when people get to express themselves, it releases something in them. That mm. makes the world better for them, and it it favors them. Do you know? Like it, that, uh, we have a lot of pent up stuff, and we're you know we're always looking now. And I I don't want to get on to that social whole social media and how we're always watching other people thing because a lot of people are talking about that. But we you know ca- keeping up with the Joneses and. is is an old fashioned idea. It didn't begin with social media. We're always looking outside of it. We're always looking outside of ourselves. And um, when we find something that lets us look inside of ourselves a little bit and, you know, to trust, begin to trust what's in there you know, and yeah. I, and, and I struggle with that. I'm a seeker. Like I'm i I'm an intensely curious person and I'm a seeker. So I'm always looking for new ideas, new thoughts, new ways of doing things, new ways of thinking. You know, to me, I have this saying that I've been saying for years, there's nothing more beautiful than an idea. Right. Mm. And, um, it, there, to me, there isn't, I just love an idea how you can take it and explore it and turn it upside down and turn it inside out. And, and just, Negotiate that idea with yourself into something else, and mm. uh, so you know we we have always oh, the idea of coming back to ourselves is an old idea, and whether whether we do it through rug hooking or through uh, meditation or through walking or a combination of those things, mm-hmm.
0: just it's, getting it's quiet, and being with ourselves. Getting,
1: being with ourselves. Yeah. Mm.
0: You said something interesting that when people express themselves, it favors them or the world favors them. Can you say more about that? What you mean by that? Well,
1: I think people are always surprised when they write something or, uh, you know, or when they hook something and they show others. I think there's always, uh, there's a lot of joy in that and people well, one of the things happen is people see what they are able to do. Others see them differently because they can see, they see what they can do and who they see some of who they are. And, and so I think that that's what I mean by that. And Mm -hmm. we get, so we usually like 95% of the time get such good feedback. Right. So, and also the actual act of expressing yourself and the actual act of talking or speaking your what you know to be true for you, and knowing that it's just true for you might not be true for everybody. And knowing that uh, uh, is is a good feeling, right? Mm.
0: Yeah. And so many people, though I find, are afraid to expose themselves, to reveal themselves, to show themselves. What advice would you have for people to overcome that fear because I think you're right I've had that experience of creating something and and it's a, was a much more it was so surprising that it was so well received versus all the negativity I had in my head or being scared yeah. of doing it because um, I wrote a book and it's like, oh my gosh, all the things around releasing that, what would people think of me, you know, yeah. all of that. Um, but you're right. It's this really joyous thing. It actually becomes well-received. So what advice do you have for people to get out of their own way and overcome that fear? So that
1: fear, I think one of the things you have to think about, and the truth is, is that fear can actually be something quite deep inside you, Right. So you might want to start there and thinking about w- what it is. I mean, we as human beings want most often want to be accepted by other human beings. There are except there are always exceptions, but we we want that acceptance, right? And and for some of us, that acceptance is more important than for others. And when we hold it as too too high an import- of an importance on that, I think it becomes more difficult to share, right? That mm. so that so. So that's one thing, right? It's a very, it can be a very, it can start with something very deeply personal. My experience has been to start with someone you trust, to just show it to someone you trust and start the conversation about Mm -hmm. it, right? And just start it as a conversation. You don't have to lay it out, right? Um, And I also was always really good at evaluating who my feedback was coming from. So Mm. if I sent it out there and it wasn't, and it wasn't getting, you know, because a lot of times when I first started hooking rugs, they weren't, not everybody saw them as beautiful because I have my own way of hooking rugs. It's coarser, it's rougher. Um, Mm. I would use only my own designs and, you know, so not everybody will love everything you do. And, and I would, I understood that and I accepted that and that that's okay you know, that I don't love everything that everybody else does. So those right. are my two two or three things, you know. So I would just start by finding someone you trust, sharing a little, and also to really work on, uh, I you know, I think it really you have to work on your own self-acceptance and mm. your own self and to know that not everybody's going to love it. And that's okay.
0: Hmm. Yeah, some radical acceptance around that idea to start. <laughs> you know, still there are people. I'm sure there are people
1: who don't love my work, but I'm sure there are people who don't love the work of of every artist. You know, of every yeah. art, right. We all because it's so personal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's okay. It's good. It's good. You know that people have their own opinions about things. Hmm.
0: What has been the best part of creating this colorful, playful world that you live in? Look, when I turned the key yesterday after 30 years, I said to myself, how is it you get to do this? Mm-hmm.
1: How is it that you get to do this? You. So I think being grateful for it, knowing, you know, knowing that you are lucky and and that, you, you know, you may have worked hard and you may have had lots of good fortune. Um, I, you may have worked hard you, and I have worked hard and really hard, but I have also been lucky the timing was right. Uh, You know, when I called to write my first book, I mean, this never happens. I called the publisher to say, I was thinking about writing a book on this. And the publisher said, we were kind of thinking of publishing a book about that. And, you know, I mean, who does that happen to? If I tried that today, I would just, it just wouldn't happen. You know, that's a once in a lifetime thing. So knowing when good things happen and you know, really. And I knew at the time I knew, oh my gosh, this can't really be happening. Right. Like, you know, knowing when you're lucky, knowing and, and, you know, taking like, you can take credit for your work, but everything happens for me, for me and my beliefs are everything happens through grace. Right. Mm-hmm. Great. The grace of God. However, however you see God, uh, whatever you think, um, God is, there's just so much grace and good fortune, uh, in
0: in at times in our lives and no. Knowing- do you believe sorry, do you believe in divine timing? Like when you talk like that was such a lucky strike. Do you feel like I always feel like sometimes when you're ready to do something, um, you know, the universe is ready to support you. Or it's like we see her we see her working hard. We're going to give her a lucky break. Yeah.
1: I never think of that. Like I I, I think of God and I say my prayers every day. So I never would think in terms of the words divine timing but I think that people just have different words for the same things maybe you know Mm -hmm. like I just know that I have have worked really hard I know I've been lucky I know I've been fortunate I know that I've had so much good support from so many good people around me and being you know being on the earth at the same time as somebody else who loves your work is a
0: great thing (laughs) (laughs) talk about divine timing (laughs) We're on the planet at the same time. That's pretty special. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That's so true. Um, I know you say that you live a simple life. Yeah. Um, What other philosophies do you live by? Well, when I started out,
1: it was community, simplicity, and tradition. Those were things. Mm -hmm. I also love, if you ever go to yard sales, or I don't know if they're still around, there there was an old... um, sign uh that uh i two old signs that i'd often see one was uh grace mercy and peace uh Mm -hmm. you know did you have you ever seen that it's like a a, it was often a cross stitch or a, a poster that was framed grace mercy and peace and i haven't seen that one i often see live life and laughter the live life and and laughter from the 1920s was i think grace mercy and peace so I love that too. And I always love, let me be, let me live by the side of the road and be a friend, uh, you know, t- uh, to man or to woman. Right. I, I always love that. Some of those old sayings. so I love those. Yeah. And I also love, um, I never know what my daughter has it written here. Um, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And that's from Matthew in the Bible. So I, I, I always love that quote. Um, it's just, and, and I came across that quote because um, a very, I think it was a very famous actor uh, who had, you know, everybody loves Raymond. And, yes. and I love it. So quote. I can't say I was reading the Bible and I found that quote, but he was telling a story about he was telling a story about when he got when he got well known and got called to Hollywood. Right. Mm-hmm. His brother was in New York or wherever. And his, when he was leaving to go on the plane to go do this show, his brother gave him a little piece of paper and that's what was written on it. And that just gives me chills, you know, like that week. so that's how I found that quote initially. And I've always thought, now that's important, you know, so to, to, you know, and really all it means is that you're living your life and you're keeping in touch with your soul. Right. Mm,
0: it's important. so important. Yeah. Yeah, it's just and what that, your podcast is all about, really. Soul. It is, yeah. And authenticity and all of those things. And I know when I hear you talking about rug hooking and creativity, it is so soulful. I mean, just even the past 10 minutes of our conversation, it's very soulful. And I was watching a, a video on your website last night. It was one where, where you showed your very first uh, rug that you had hooked. And, and it was... It made me think about the idea of growth because you were talking about how that was really a measure of how far you've grown as just as a, an artist, as a rug hooker. The difference, you can see the quality, how you've grown. And it just made me think about the different ways that, that people can grow. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. what, what has rug hooking taught you about growth or what you've seen on other people? Or, Well, it's really taught me a lot about growth. Just looking
1: at my, you know, like when every time I look at my first rug and my last rug. I think yeah, that there's incredible growth there, and when I look at the first rug and the last rug of, like, we do a lot of teaching online, so we have a group um, called, uh, um, it was it was we initially started a group called the Harbor, which sort of led people through how to be an artist, and uh, we're we're wrapping that up this year. We're going to release it one more time, and then it'll be finished. But I have this other group called the Inspiration Sessions, and in that group, what I do is I just try to bring people. Um, I try to bring people to to the idea of getting to know themselves, I guess, as an artist, or through rug hooking. And mm. over the years, I've watched people, you know, go from just doing kits and and to having a show. You know, um, watching them grow, learning from me and from other rug hooking teachers and from other artists and bringing rugs in here that are stunning and knowing that they found their way through retirement, that they found their way through sometimes loss or grief, sometimes through uh, midlife, you know, because they had this one thing, this, I kind of think of it as a place to go, right? Making is a place to go right and um you know i i so i've i've just watched people bloom like just mm. become i think they become the, we can become ourselves you know and we're always becoming right you know that yeah. we're always changing or you know we don't become ourselves but at certain points we're in full bloom you know and yeah. then it might fade a little but we bloom again and, and, and that's true with making too, like you, you know, yeah. not every part of my, and not every rug I've made, do I feel I was really in full bloom there, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I think it's such a great way to think of it. I love the statement, making is a place to go, yeah. because one of the things that people are often looking for is purpose, and may mm. have a hard time finding their purpose if their whole life has been raising children, and then the children grow up and go away. Now what? Um, or like you said, transitions in your life. What do I do the third act of my life? Um and, and the idea of it, you know, that if you had a place to go, a, pl- a place of passion that where you can go and think and create, how that lights you up, that it gives you a portal or a doorway to yourself. I think it's a really interesting idea. It is. I like that. It is. Like it that. is an interesting idea. And it's a true, it's a true thing. Mm, and especially when you say we can become ourselves, this idea that we are always becoming, but mm-hmm. how making can, can actually be a part of that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. How does creativity help you grow? Oh, it's such a beautiful thing, right? I mean, creativity. Well, we're all creative. I have no questions about
1: that. Like, I don't really believe that it's it's reserved for certain people or mm-hmm. that it's that it belongs to artists or anything like that. I mean, I, I think it's we're clearly creative beings. Um, so creativity helps you grow uh, because creativity is, of course about curiosity and it's about bringing two things together that you didn't expect to be together it's though mm. so you're constantly uh playing right and in that in that playing you're learning new things and when we learn new things we grow right we just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's exciting
0: And I love, and I believe that too, that everybody's creative, but so many people will say, I'm not creative, or they Mm. may leave it to the artists and the potters and the pro cookers. But how do we get people to connect to the creativity who may not see it so easily as we do?
1: Well, I think the first thing is to, is, is educating them right and release you know helping them release the idea that it's that it is not just for a select group of people and to remind them of when they were children there's that famous Picasso quote we were uh, we're all artists just that mm. you know, all, all all just that we're not we were all artists when we were children I forget how it goes exactly but yeah um, I think that that just to remind them of their, of when they were children and, and how and how they were. You know, a s- simple activity that I used to do. This was the simplest of activities. But I would give everybody a can of Play-Doh when they came for a workshop. And I would just ask them to sculpt. You know, just getting back to that, just ask them to sculpt something. And then right after that, I'd give everybody a big sheet of paper. And I would say, now I want you to tear a figure out of here, Right. To just and uh, so all they had was their hands and a sheet of newspaper. So, um, you know, those were just really simple activities to just help people to inspire them into the idea that I I can make. You know, to have people cut out snowflakes again. Do you remember all the snowflakes? Yes, all the pumpkins <laughs> cut out. I mean, we all we all did that, and children are still doing that. And so, getting back to our childlike activities and our childlike selves, and and. You know, it it also goes back to the whole uh, uh, the whole thing of how critical we are of ourselves, and the whole idea that you should be good immediately. Like I don't know why anybody would expect. You know, you know yeah, what? I because because what the work you do
0: is very beautiful, and I want to do what you're doing now. So you just have to keep doing it, right?
1: And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah there, you just have to keep you have to keep showing up right? And you have to master mm. what, what it is you want to be good at, whether it's writing or like, like how much better an interviewer are you now than when you began? How many podcasts mm. do you have in this podcast?
0: Oh, about 170.
1: Yeah. So how much better are you at yeah. this now than you were at podcast number nine?
0: Hmm. It's so true. Right. Yeah. And there's no way around it. You got to go
1: through it. Right? You just got to do the work. You got to, you got to, you got to, you know, sharpen the pencil like over and over again until it's just <laughs> it's a true.
0: little yeah yeah. I get that. Yeah. It's, it's always, yeah. you, you, you want you, you, So I guess the good thing is that you can see the vision of where you want to be. And that's the whole point is not to be get discouraged along the way, but just to be continued to be consistent and also to be easy on yourself. Cause I think that's one of the things that you do. And that's why I'm jokingly calling you Bob Ross. Um, and there's another a woman I called Julia Cameron, the artist's way, way you're yeah. probably from, yeah, you're probably yeah. familiar. And same thing when I've read her books, there's a, I think this Book is called the Right to Write, right? And she just helps you drop the guard around what does it mean to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you do the same thing. You you're just making it so easy. You're like, of course it's easy. Come on in. You know, I'm have a crying. I want I want what? people to <laughs> experience that. You know, yeah. I and want- that's what you said. Teach all your kids. Teach everybody. And so, why are you so passionate for people to
1: experience it? I think it goes back to that whole thing that i started out as in life i want it you know i wanted to help people really i wanted to help people become themselves and and uh, and i still feel that i still feel that i want you know i th- i want peace in the house i want i want uh, peace in people's lives i want i want love in people's lives i mean this is what this is what we want for ourselves it's also what we want for others and yes uh, I, I think that I think it goes back to that. So that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it. I just believe that that's who I am, and I think with age you want that more for people than even you mm-hmm. did when you're younger. Like, and I, and and I'm also um, I I just I just know from my own experience what it's done for me, and I know what it's done for so many women around me in, in my rug hooking community, which is big, you know? And I, I see, I, I see what happens with rug hooking. First of all, it builds community, right? Because there are rug hooking groups that people can be part of. There are like not only online, but in real life. So I see, I see it building community. I see it strengthening them. I see it as, like I said, it's kind of like a place to go, you know, not just the community itself, but, to, to just pick up your hook and, you know, keeping, staying off the whole idea of, of uh, boredom, you know, like to have this one yeah. thing that you can go to. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really good for, I think those things like community, simplicity, it's such a simple craft, one stitch, tradition, Though, like, you know, that, that through it, I really feel like I I've connected with my own culture Right. I, I, and I, and culture is important to me. Like I, and, and, you know, culture with the internet, I feel like we're all becoming the same culture. Right. As opposed to, as opposed to just working, like c- culturally rug hooking was really important to women. Right. They mm-hmm. sold their mats. It gave them a little bit of extra money sometimes in the house. It was a way they gathered. It was something they gathered around. They had the mat, in, in the kitchen, you know, uh, and they would work on it, and they would use their children's old clothes, right? Um, if you ever read the Mountain and the Valley by Ernest Buckler, a beautiful a beautiful book, it begins with how she's going through her life in the rag bag, you know, it was John's mm-hmm. suit and Mary's um, red skirt or whatever her red serge, and, and and you know, I I just sort of it's like that that culture and tradition is a very rich part of life I think mm. so it's important to me so I think it sort of goes back to those simple things that I think when I wrote my first artist statement um, a woman a woman who was a gallery owner helped me uh, develop that and sort of sort out what why it was I was doing that and and I think really sometimes I think gosh I'm still those are still the things that are important even though I've changed a lot and 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 You know, when I started making rugs, I just wanted to make rugs and sell them. I wanted to express myself. But I just wanted people to have their rugs in my house and and my rugs in their house. And I
0: still want that. Still makes me happy, you know. Mm. And I can tell that. Everything, uh, you know, you exude this sense of peace. And it's interesting that you say you want peace and love for other people. Um, You know, you're a light worker, you're helping us light the path so we can see ourselves so we can find this easy portal or uh, entry in a fun, creative way to, to get back in touch with that.
1: Thank you. That's a nice
0: thing to say. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing what you're doing. And like you say, create beauty every day and that's what you do when you're teaching rug hooking. Um, And maybe for people to even see the beauty in themselves, you know, yeah. connect back to that.
1: And, um, and we I, only try, I just want to say that I, we only try because I, I don't, you know i'm not always a light worker i'm not always <laughs> those are your words <laughs> we all have you our know moments. what i mean like we all have our <laughs> moments and we only try yes. and and it's not always i don't always feel peaceful i feel anxious like everybody else do you know sure. what I mean? and i experience these things too but we only try and we use the tools that we have to try that's i just want to say that because i just think that's that's the authentic truth right
0: yeah, yeah, That's sure. And that's and that's one that we all share, right? Yeah. It's not all roses for all of us all the time. <laughs> but we're all trying. That's, we're all that's trying. Yeah. And we never yeah. stop trying. Well, this was a beautiful conversation. Is there anything you wanted to say about rug hooking that I haven't asked you about?
1: No, I don't think so. You asked me lots of interesting
0: questions. I, I'd like
1: to ask you some questions. <laughs>
0: You have some questions. You already started before we, we started recording. You said, "Why do you do this?" And I'm like, "Now I think I'm really going to have to walk away and, and examine that." So you're like pushing me to think about. I wrote down develop an artist statement that you said someone asked you to do, and you uh, opened our conversation with, "Why do you do this?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm always
1: so I'm always curious about why people do what they do. I think it's yeah, you know, I think it's a really I think it's a really important question to ask ourselves. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. Yeah, no, yeah. I really enjoyed this. It's always fun. I love, I love these conversations, and I, I love your inspiration for them. And I listen to some of your other conversations, and I'll listen more. I listen to some wow. of your, uh, your, I listen to your conversation with um, two or three different people on your podcast yeah. yesterday. Well, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you,
0: yeah. Mm. And I wondered if you'd mind if I end this conversation by what is written on your bookmark. No, go ahead. Mm, I think it's a a great uh, message for people uh, that connect to the beauty. And it says, Dear Diary, when the light hits the Queen Anne's lace that way, the way you know is sudden and special. It is time to stop and breathe and just look. When beauty lays itself before you offered up simply and quietly, it means to be taken in. The walk might be the same every day, but the light is never the same twice. The sky does not have a way of being that makes you accustomed to it. I have never said, oh, there it is again, the sky. The sun rises every morning and transforms the same roads, fields, and shores that I passed by yesterday, making me feel as if I have never gone down the same road twice. That is the power of light as it shifts and paints and makes me believe what I might have thought impossible as possible. Thank you, Deanne, for this conversation. I I really, really enjoyed it. You're welcome, Dana. Thank you. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course, on LinkedIn. See you next week.